freedom. It's, his, it's God's desire for each and every single one of us. Freedom. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm free. You know, we've been saying, show us your glory. Show us your goodness, your power, your presence. And this was a declaration made from, made from Moses' heart. Just saying, you know what? I can't do life on my own. I can't do life with all by myself. I, I've got, if I'm going to, you want me to go to this promised land. I'm going to need something more than just my ability. You know, and, and so, and to so really see yourself in that position that, you know what, God, I, I know you have something great for my life. I know you have great desires for my life. And you know what? I can't go there without you. Let that be your desperation. Let that be your heartbeat. Let that be your heart cry every day of your life. Lord, I, I desire you in my life. Jesus had that same heartbeat. Jesus said, apart from the Father, I can't do anything. And that has to be the place that we submit our lives to. It's, it's, it's a position of submission. You know, you know, and that's why I talked about, you know, you know lifting up your hands. It's a, you know, it, it is a position of surrender. It's, it is like, God, I'm, I'm yielding my life to you. You know, to, to get up here Sunday after Sunday or minister outside, whatever it is, you know, I have to totally rely upon the word of God and the Holy Spirit in my life. You've heard me say, if you knew Justin, I, I can't do this by myself. I, I don't like talking in front of people. But I know it's what God's called me to do. You know what? There's, there's a promised land for me. There's a promised land for you. There's, there's purpose for you. There's great things for you. There's, there's, there's greater things than where you are right now. There's, there's more than what you've ever could, could ask, think, dream, or imagine. You know, and, and so the thing is, is, is don't let the, your present ideas, opinions, and mindsets and, and understanding of everything going on around you to shape your mindset to keep you from where God wants you to go. So really hear me, don't get bogged down by everything you're seeing around, around us right now. Because what happens is, is those things become distractions and those things become things that will lead you away from the ultimate thing that God has for you. You have to put your mind on Jesus. You have to put your mind on the word of God. You have to put your mind on higher things. That's what Colossians says, set your mind on things that are above and not on things on the earth. It's pretty simple, right? Set my mind things on above, not on things on the earth. Now, when you can set your mind on things above and let him tell you how to do things on the earth. See, this, this, we, we have to be free in order to go to a promised land. Moses was speaking from a position of purpose. He was speaking from a position of destiny. He was speaking from a pers- purpose of God's called me to do something great. And he first spoke to him in a burning bush. And what did, he, what did he tell them? He goes, I've heard the cry of my people. Say my people. And he says, their prayers have come up to me. And he said, what I'm going to come down and what deliver them. That's Exodus 3 verse 7. God shows up to, to Moses again in Exodus chapter 6 and starts revealing himself not as the way Abraham knew him, as Elohim, the creator of all things, but he said, I'm going to reveal myself to you and I'm going to let you know who I, more of who I am. And I'm going to say, I'm Jehovah, meaning the great I am, the ever-loving, ever-living, in whom nothing is impossible. That's what Jehovah really means in a, in a short thing. 
it's a lot bigger than that, but in a short statement. But what did, what is, what did Jehovah tell him? He said, I'm going to come down and I'm going to deliver the people. If you look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, you don't need to turn there, but he says this, I am the Lord thy God. Now it's already happened. He said, I am the Lord thy God, meaning I am God Almighty that brought you out. So here, the heartbeat that we see between God and his people, there's this constant thing of, of I want my people to be free. There's this constant tug of war with, with um, God's people and, his, and, and God's desire. And it's this tug of war of, of God saying, I want my people free, but yet the people say, I want to be free, but I still want the world has. I want, I, I want a king just like every other, uh, other nation has a king. I, I want that. So, so, there, so God's like saying, hey, I'll be your king. I'll be your daddy. I'll be, I'll be your power. I'll be your strength. I'll be your strong tower. I'll be what you have need of. And so there was this constant tug of war going back of, of being free. And you see it throughout the Old Testament. You know, God sets them free. They get bound by, by this group. They, God sets them free. Then they get bound by this group. God sets them free. Then they get bound by this group. And God sets them free. See, we see it throughout the scriptures that his desire is freedom. That's his desire. So Moses is a type and shadow of the Messiah. So if we look at Moses, we can see a type and shadow of the Messiah. Jesus is our Messiah, right? And so this whole series is, behold, he's more than just a man. And so this morning, we're going to talk about our freedom. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to get to everything. What I'll have in my heart, I'll continue next week. But, but just understand this about this freedom this morning. Jesus Hebrews 3 says this. It says that it says that Jesus was like Moses, but he was greater than Moses. It said he had, there was more glory. Exodus chapter 3, verse, I believe that's, verse, I mean, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 3. It's in verses 1 through 6. If you're taking notes, you can go back and read it later. But understand this aspect that if we look at Moses... We're seeing a picture of what the Messiah is to be like. And what did Moses do? Moses took the children of Israel out of bondage. And he took them out of bondage, not just so they could be free, but take them to a promised land. And we might get into that next week. It, go to uh, uh, Acts chapter 7, because this is in three different places. If you're taking notes, you, it's in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. It's also in Acts chapter 3, verse 22. So this is a, a phrase or a statement that is said on a few occasions. The first person that said it was Moses. Then on the day, the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out, then the disciples, the 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter stood up and he preached. And Peter preached this in the first message that was preached under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Then in, in Acts chapter 7, we see here, here it is some years later. Now we see Stephen preaching it right before he's martyred. So there must be something significant about this statement that I'm about to read because Moses declared it. Peter preached it on the first message under the Holy Spirit in the, in, on the day of Pentecost. And then now Stephen stands up and he, Stephen preaches the whole Old Testament. 
So don't let, don't, don't, don't let a, a modern day pastor, a modern teacher tell you, we, we just preach stuff in the New Testament. That Old Testament has passed away. Well, Stephen was under a new covenant and he started from the beginning, went all the way through, <laughs> then got stoned. All right. So, so, so preaching the Old Testament uh, is, is still modern teaching because the Old Testament speaks of modern day Jesus. Okay. And so here in Acts chapter seven, verse, I could read about 15 verses here, but for the sake of time, uh, let's look at verse 35. It says this Moses whom they refused saying, who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of God. Hold on. God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of an angel, which appeared to him in the bush. Verse 36. He brought them out. Where did he bring them? Out. So Moses brought them out. So God showed up to Moses and he brought them out. After that, he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt, in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. Now here, look at verse 37. This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel. So Moses said this to who? A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up. Now he's not talking about himself now. He's saying a prophet shall shall God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him you shall hear. Man, I love this because Moses is looking at the, the children of God and prophesying, and he's prophesying about Jesus. He is saying, God's going to raise someone up from your people, and he's going to speak unto you. What would he speak unto you? He's going to speak unto, because he says, he's going to be like unto Moses. So what is he going to speak? The same thing that Moses spoke. Come out of bondage and go to your promised land. Actually, Moses said this, come out of bondage, Worship me, then go to the promised land. So, so here, you got to see this as we behold Jesus. We have to see him as our freedom. We have to see him as our freedom. Go to John chapter 3. Am I talking too fast? <laughs> John chapter 3, thank you, Father, verse 14. So behold, Jesus, he's more than just a man, he's our freedom. Verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So here we see, we see Moses and we see Jesus. And he said, so just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And we know this, there was, there was thousands of people that were bitten by snakes at this time. And so what did God tell Moses to do? Go take a serpent of bronze, put it up on a pole, and everyone who looks at it will be healed. Okay? Verse 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So just as the people looked at the serpent in the wilderness... The same thing for our day is anyone that believes. See, b- believe isn't just saying, and I know it's, it's this, this I'm looking at. It, it's, it's an intense gaze. It's an intense look at me, meaning it's not only do I believe it, but that belief has now changed my life. 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How many people are grateful for that scripture? Woo! Man, that anyone that would believe, whoever would believe, whoever, not this race, that race, this economic status, that people group, but all who would believe. That whosoever believed him would not perish. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. You're like, well, you're like Pastor, come on, I've heard this. We, we know about John 3.16. I, I understand that. But too often as God's children... We may receive that as it pertains to eternity, but have you received it for now? Because Jesus just didn't die for 33% of you. We're spirit, soul, and body, right? Meaning, meaning he desires to affect or infect every area of your life. But verse 18 says, he that believes on him is not condemned. Now, now get this. He that believes on him is not condemned. Do you believe on him? Then that means you're not condemned. Now let's look at the word condemned for a moment because because I've encountered this in my own life. You know, I got born again in January 23rd of 1993. And I understand this, this concept of condemnation, you know, because there's a lot of times I'd live in this constant cycle of, you know, um, you know, there's no condemnation, there in Christ Jesus. And then I do the same thing the next day. There's no condemnation, there's in Christ Jesus, you know. And there's this whole, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And, and so we have that mindset, but what happens is we don't really understand what condemnation is. Because Jesus here is beyond an emotional state. And most of the time when we look at condemnation, we see it as an emotional state that we're in. Because I messed up in life, my, because, and my mind is condemning me. And so really, on, be honest, we mostly look at that as an emotional state, right? But you understand, he that believes on it will not be, shall not be condemned. But, so let's really look at condemned. What does condemned mean? It means to be considered worthless. It means to have sentence pronounced judgment against. So if, you're, if we were in a court of law and you, you go up to the court of law tomorrow and you st- sit there and you watch some cases and some, some, uh, some things going back and forth. And, and, and what you're going to see is you're going to see a judge make some judgments. There's going to be judgments of innocence and there's going to be some judgments of guilty. So, so when the when the judgment when the when the judge says guilty, you just became condemned. He just passed sentence on you. But let's take it a step further because it's beyond emotional thing. I want you to see this because because if you were in a court and you did something, you you committed a felony and you became guilty. Judge ruled you as guilty. He said he said and he, then he gives you a sentence. And say, he's going to sentence you to X amount of years. I don't need a show of hands of how many of, never mind. 
So what's going to happen is you're going to stand up from the defendant's table and they're going to have you put one hand behind your back, then one hand you're behind your back, right? And they're going to confine you. Not only are they going to confine you, but then they're going to take you into a place and they're going to make you change your clothes. And probably put on something that doesn't fit. Probably put on something like orange that doesn't look the best on you, might not be your color. Or stripes, you know, sideways stripes, that's, that's not good, you know. I'm not, making li- I'm not trying to make light of it, but I'm just, I want you to understand what... Because, see, this is all having to do with condemnation. It's not just a mental state. It's not just thinking bad about yourself. It's not other people thinking bad about you. But it becomes your spiritual state. Because what happened when Adam and Eve messed up in the garden is... It wasn't just the emotional state that they were in, but it was their spiritual state that they were in. So not only do they confine you, but then they, they change your clothes, but then they take away your name. Because you're no, I would no longer be named as Justin Bridges. I would be number 001537. See, see this, this is all having to do with condemnation. It's all, it's all setting you on course to deprive you of your freedom. So when Jesus says, he goes, anyone that would believe on me would no longer be condemned. So if I really understand that we're condemned, I would really understand if I believe on him, his promise for me, his purpose for me is freedom. Freedom, not just, well, you know, I'm going to heaven one day. Praise the Lord. Jesus, the Lord. No, he wants you free from every tormenting thing that's tormenting you mentally, physically, emotionally, financially. He wants you free. You know, I've run into a lot of times people say, well, ask me questions a lot of times. Well, well, pastor, is it okay to drink? Is it, is it okay to do this? Is it okay to do that? Is it okay to do this? And, and I can stand up matter of factly, show scriptures and stuff like that. But ultimately it, it's like people just want to get a license to do what they want to do. Most of the time, that's what I, it's not, I'm not going to debate with you about it. I'm not going to, we're not going to argue about it. It's those things because, but, but I want you to know is, is, are you free to really be honest with me in your heart? You want to go do this, 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 and this, but let me ask you, are you really free in here? Because ultimately people do a lot of other things because they're not free in here. Most of the things they do going this, that, that place, this place, doing this thing or that thing is all to cover up for the, the, fee, the, the, the hurts that are going, going on in the inside of them. Because ultimately they do all those other things because really personally there's some sort of condemnation still in here. I've been there. And I, please, I, I, I'm not going to preach down to you because, because this, this is the glory of God. See, the goodness of God is, what does it say? The goodness of God will do what? Lead men to repentance, right? So if the glory of God is the goodness of God, then I have to understand if the goodness of God is going to lead me to repentance, then also, also ultimately it's his goodness that wants to get, get freedom in every area of my life. That's his heart for every single one of us. Go to Acts 
you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Father. You know what? I didn't... Thank you, Lord. I'll just... Just real quick, in John 3, again, it says, 18 says, He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So, let... You see, you, you, we were already bound. You're condemned already. But it says, but because he that did not believe, because he that did not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 17 again, for God sent not his Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the word saved here means to be rescued. So if co- condemnation is to be confined then you understand salvation and being saved has to do with being rescued. Amen. Now let's look at Acts 10.38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. How God anointed, how God empowered, how God graced, how God strengthened. How God strengthened, how God empowered Jesus. With what? The Holy Ghost empowered. The power of God is what? Glory of God. How he empowered Jesus with the glory of God. And when he was powered with the glory of God, what did he do? He went about. The glory of God goes about. The glory of God went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The word oppressed there, I wrote this definition down. The word oppressed means to exercise control. It means to exercise harsh control over. Not just control, but harsh control. To exercise harsh control. So oppression isn't just a state of mind, but it's also harsh control. It's control. So if you're being controlled, then you're being confined, right? If, if, if you were just condemned and you were put in prison, then what happened? They just confined you. They just had Harsh control over you. So here it says that how God was on Jesus, who went about doing good and healing all that had a harsh, harsh control over them by who? The devil. So the word heal is the word cure. It means to make whole. It means to set free. So here Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were controlled. By the devil. Why? Because God was with him. You have to see this. This is God's heartbeat is is for you and I to be free. God's heartbeat is for you and I to be free physically, spiritually, emotionally, in every area of our lives. That's his desire for us. Go to Luke 13. Luke 13, verse 10. So behold Jesus. Behold Jesus is our freedom. Luke 13, verse 10 says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. Eighteen years. So here, there was a woman that had a spirit of infirmity. Meaning there was something that was oppressing her. There was something that was condemning her. 
there was something in her life that was calling her weakness. Calling her weakness. The word infirmity just means feebleness or weakness. And this weakness was in her life for 18 years. And was bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. So, so think about it. She was bent over for 18 years. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, thou art loose from your infirmity. Here, just, just these scriptures. We looked at Moses. The heart for God's people was to take them out of bondage. We, we see John 3, 16. It was Jesus came to what take us out of condemnation. We see Acts chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 38. We see how God sent Jesus to what? To heal all that were oppressed of the devil. So everything that we're seeing Jesus do, everything that Moses did, what we're doing, we're seeing the fact that God wants his people totally free. Totally free. And not settle for just a little bit of freedom. You know, what this church is all about is, is making winners in life. Why do we exist? There's hurting people outside these walls. Love them for me. That's why we exist. What are we called to do? To make winners in life. How are we going to do it? An experience with God, equip people with the word, and engage people to influence the world. That's our, that's our why, our what, and our how. And so, so you have to understand here, everything we're about is, is for people to experience. We want you winning in every area of your life, not just winning in this area, but every area of your life. And it's not condemnation if, if you're not winning in that area yet. It's not a competition. We're all growing. We're all developing. We're all stepping into what God's called us to be. We're all, we're all discovering who he is. We're all discovering what he's placed in us. This is not a competition. It's not I'm better than you or because I dress better than you or I have a suit on today and you don't. That has nothing to do with what this church is about. It has to do with you discovering who God is, who God is in you, and go change the world with it. And so, so here, this, Jesus was wanting her to win in every area of her life. And he called her to him and said, and said, woman, you're loose from this infirmity. Man, what we're, doing, we're seeing the heart of God come through Jesus, right? What was God wanting to do? Because Jesus said, I don't do anything unless, unless the Father, Father, I see the Father do. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. So this must have been something that came from God's heart, right? Woman, thou art loosed from your infirmity. Man, that's his heart for each one of us. That's how he wants each of us to be in every area of your life, in your marriage, in your family, with your children, in the workplace, in your business, every area of your life. This had nothing to do with her going to heaven. This had to do with her physical body. God cares all about you. There was even a time in Jeremiah where, where because of someone owed a debt that, that God even made an ax head float. I mean, it just, God cares about the details, every area of your life. Thank you, Father. And here, because of this, all the people, verse 13 says, and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she did what? Glorified God. Then the Pharisees in the synagogue, the rulers got upset and were upset because he healed on the Sabbath day. Verse 15, the Lord then answered him and answered them and said, you hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering? Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound? God didn't bind her, right? Satan had bound her. Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed, all that were being controlled by the devil, right? 
Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loosed from this? You know what? Not only does this reveal to me Jesus' desire to heal. Not only does it, it, it speak to me that the Father wants me free, but also speaks to me that it didn't really need Jesus to come for her to be healed. Think about that. Because Jesus said, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loose from this? Meaning now he's talking about covenant. Now he's talking about relationship. Now he's talking about this has always been God's desire. It's not just, it wasn't his desire just when Jesus came. It was always his desire. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham be loose from this? Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham be free from this? See, it's always been his desire for mankind to be free. He wants you free this morning. Look to your neighbor and say, he wants me free. free. Look to the other side and say, "I I am free. Hallelujah. Go to Galatians. Go to Galatians. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham be loose from this infirmity? This week, take time to read Galatians 1 through 6, sometime this week in in your own personal time, and read Galatians 1 through 6, because it really expounds on what I'm sharing here about, what I'm about to share here to connect this together. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 25, it says, but after that, faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. So now that faith has come, I'm no longer in a position of being controlled. I'm not under, under that bond, a schoolmaster, so to speak. And he's talking about the law. Verse 26 says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. You are all children of God. So here, that woman we just read about, she was a daughter of Abraham. Ought not that woman be free? So here it says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Some people want to say in in today's, well, we're all children of God, Pastor Justin. No, we're not. All of us are children of God. You know, every religion's that we're all, no, they're not. You got to read the whole verse. What makes you a child? For you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So it was my ability to, to go after Jesus that did what? Make me a child. Verse 27, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We're not all one because God created us. We're one in Christ Jesus. We're children of God because of Christ Jesus. Verse 20, and if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and your heirs according to the promise. So what that woman had in Luke chapter 13 had a right to, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham be loose from this affirmity? Jesus all of a sudden turned around and now gave me access to have her same the same thing she was a part of. If I'm in Christ, then what? I'm Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Meaning the same promises that woman had in Luke 13 are the same promises that are available to me because I made Jesus a Lord of my life. 
It, it brought me into a covenant and a total covenant that's based on total freedom. You know, I don't have time to go there, but blessed coming in and blessed going out above only and not beneath the head and not the tail. You see, you see, that's all part of the blessing of Abraham. So when Jesus came in, I received him and no, you know what? I'm no longer condemned. I am free. And because of that, I am an heir. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I'm seated at the right hand of the father. So understand this aspect, this exchange took place was all about me being free in every area of my life. Hallelujah. That, that's what, that's what this beholding Jesus is all about. Looking at my freedom, but it's not something you mentally send up here, but it's allowing something that just floods your life from the inside out. Thank you, Father. Go to Galatians 4. I'm almost done. I think, I think I'm almost done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Verse, verse 1 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. So this is talking about beforehand. You were in bondage under the elements of the world. But verse 4 says, but. So you say, well, see, Justin, we're see, I'm in the world and we're, we're just in bondage to the elements of the world. No, he, there's a but here. So you need to look at the but. Because, because all of a sudden there's, there's, there's. I just had this flash, this flash of Nemo. Did you touch the butt? <laughs> don't touch the butt. <laughs> sorry. sorry, babe. I, finding Nemo. I don't. Anyway, but when the but when the fullness of time has come, see, see, meaning, meaning, this, this, the way of doing things was going to end. It was going to, there was going to be an ending to this, and and he says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to do what? To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. So here we see this. Yeah, you were in bondage of the elements of the world, but at just the right time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them. And what does redeem mean? You, you've heard me do, do a, you've seen me do a description of this. Years ago, and I had the, the slave came in, and, and, and the thing is, the redeem is to buy off the auction block. That's, that's, a slave is condemned. And, it's, and, and, and Jesus not only just paid, but he took the place. He took on the shackles. He took on, it took on, he took on the sin of the world. He took on the sickness of the world. He, he just didn't take on your dead spiritual. He took on every aspect of your life. To redeem you. Go to Galatians 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Stand fast. So, so not only do I receive that freedom, but that's where I live my life from. I don't live my life, okay, Sunday is my church day, and then Monday and Tuesday I, I kind of do whatever. No, it, it says stand fast in that liberty. So there's a lot of people, a lot of people in churches that, that, that have made Jesus Lord, but they're not standing fast in the liberty. 
They're not standing fast in the liberty. There's a liberty. You know, Romans 8 said, said there's a, liber- a glorious liberty of the children of God. Meaning God wants you free. He's not keeping freedom from you. He just wants you to stand. Make that choice to be free. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Stand fast in that liberty. And don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stand fast in the liberty. Go to 2 Corinthians 3 and I'll close with this. And we'll pick up next week. If you want another assignment this week, just read all of chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians. And so because it all, it all, it's a connection, because it's a connection between Moses and Jesus. And in this chapter, he talks about how when Moses, after Moses said, show me your glory. He showed up on the mountain and he got the Ten Commandments. Moses comes down and it said his face shone like the glory of God. So let's pick this up in verse 8. It says, why should not the dispensation of the Spirit, the spiritual ministries whose task is to cause men to obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit? So that's the difference between law and, and grace. Is, is law put me in bondage, but, but now that I'm under grace, I'm to live out of the Spirit. Yes. People say, oh, well, the Ten Commandments have passed away. No, they, not, no, they didn't. They just changed position. Yeah. Hebrews, it says, he wrote the law in our hearts. Obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit. Be attended with what much greater and more splendid glory. So if Moses under the law, his face shows, how much more should this new exceed in glory? Nine says, for if the servants that condemns the ministration of doom had glory, how infinitely more abounding in splendor and glory must be the service that makes righteous. Verse 10, indeed in view... In view of this fact, what once had splendor, the glory of the law in the face of Moses has come to have in splendor at all, has, has come to have no splendor at all because of the overwhelming glory that exceeds and excels it. It's not saying that the law had no glory anymore. It's just saying that this new glory supersedes it and excels it and goes way beyond it. Verse 11, for if that which was passing and fading away came with splendor, how much more? must that which remains and is permanent abide in glory and splendor. Verse 16. Verse verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Emancipation from bondage, freedom. And all of us, as with unveiled face, continue to behold in the Word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Thank you, Father. Now the Lord, so this new, the Spirit now, it excels the old thing, right? Then it says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where that Spirit is, there's liberty. Freedom. And all of us with unveiled face continue to behold. What is he talking? He's talking, continue to behold in the word of God. What, what is he referring to here? He's not talking about this. 
He is, but he isn't. Because when Paul wrote this, we didn't have this. We had, we had, the, the, old, we had the law, sure. the Old Testament. But who is the Word? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. So what is he saying? He goes, and all of us, as with unveiled face, continue to behold Jesus as in a mirror. The glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured. Let me put it this way for this morning. Are constantly being made free. See, as I continue to look at Jesus, it's not about, it's not about being perfect, please. No, it's as I continue to look at Jesus, I make adjustments. As I continue to look at Jesus, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. As I continue to look at Jesus, you know what? I forgive that person. As I continue to look at Jesus, you know what? I just don't want to go there anymore. As I continue to look at Jesus. See, see, as I'm looking at Jesus, I'm constantly, being, I'm constantly being transformed from one degree of glory to another. It's not all of a sudden, hey, I've arrived. No, I'm constantly looking at Jesus. And as I'm looking at Jesus, I'm fixing things. See, it's not about being perfect. It's not about trying to live holy, but it's allowing the grace of God that invaded your life when you made Jesus the Lord of your life to all of a sudden allow that grace on the inside to work its inside, work it inside out. It's not to say I've got grace and no, I'm going to stay the same and I'm just going to live because I got great. No, I've got grace. And because I have grace, I am holy because I have grace. I'm going to look like Jesus because I have Jesus in first John chapter three. It says, when I see him, I'll be like him. So you, this, this is a constant development. This is a constant growth process. That's what the glory does. That's what goodness of God does. That's what the presence of God does. That's what the power of God does is to what? Set us free. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. And I thank you that heritage of faith is free. Lord, I thank you for every marriage represented in this place. I thank you for freedom in every marriage. Father, I just thank you for freedom in every relationship. Father, I just thank you for every business owner. Father, I thank you, Lord, that, that as they run after you, I thank you that you're continuing to perfect their business. Because your, your word says you perfect that which concerns us. Father, I just thank you for every... every uh, um, children and parent relationship. I thank you that the glory of God is manifesting in, in, in the homes. And, and I thank you, Lord, that those, those, those relationships are being established and becoming strengthened because of the glory of God. I thank you that all of us, Father, are looking at Jesus. All of us are beholding Jesus. And as we behold him, we're constantly being transfigured into that very same image. And I thank you because the spirit of God is on the inside of us. I thank you that we are free and we have liberty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, stand up, Don. Just stand up where you are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Stretch your hand out towards Don. Father, I thank you for Don. And right now we lift up Paxton to you. Lord, and I just thank you as he's had open heart surgery and, and in battling other things. Lord, I just thank you for strength over him. We speak life into his body. We speak life in his blood. We speak life over his parents. Father, I thank you that he will be made every bit whole. I thank you that he will come out of the hospital strong. And I thank you that he will fulfill all his days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody else dealing with sickness, just stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, we speak for life and wholeness. Hallelujah. Just put your hand on the person on your left if you see him standing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for life and wholeness, healing. Thank you for the power of God to make to make whole. Thank you for the anointing of God to, to destroy. Hallelujah. Every yoke of bondage. I declare that this woman is loose from this infirmity. I thank you that these men in here are loose from any infirmity. Hallelujah. I thank you that every man and woman, I thank you that, that we are loose from every addiction. We're loose from every wrong thought. We're loose from old patterns. We're loose from wrong ways of thinking, wrong ways of living, wrong ways of, of operating in our finances. We are loose. We are free in every area of our lives. And we thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus. Give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.